As I was putting together this sermon, I was thinking, I'll bet what I'm about to talk about this morning has never been talked about from this pulpit before. And I would also imagine that my seminary professors, were they here, might wonder where all their teaching <laughs> led. But they're not here, and you are. <laughs> so here we go. What I want to talk about this morning is a thing called a SCOBY. A SCOBY. Somebody knows what a SCOBY is. So a SCOBY is an acronym for a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. A SCOBY is a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. It's a mouthful to say symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, so people just abbreviate it and say SCOBY. And I want to talk about SCOBYs and the fermentation they cause because when I think about this religious community and what it is that we're doing here and what's happening here, I keep coming back to SCOBYs and fermentation. And really, isn't that what pops into your head when you think about religious community? <laughs> SCOBYs, fermentation. So a few of you may know this about me. Those of you who are at the uh, trivia night that Elaine, Reverend Elaine, hosted earlier this week, there was some trivia about staff. So a few of you know this about me, but many of you don't. I love to make homemade kefir and homemade kombucha. Some of you are thinking, all right, my minister is into homemade kefir and kombucha. And some of you are like, come on, whatcha, huh? Like, what is he talking about? So I will explain kombucha and kefir and scobies in more detail in just a minute. But let me just tell you so you have some sense of how much I love to make these drinks. If I had some venture capitalist backers, I would open something called Jay Schro's Religious Fermentation Beverage Shack. <laughs> something like that. Something, Jay Shro's my nickname. That's what Jen always calls me. She's like, hey, Jay Shro. So it'd be like Jay Shro's Religious Fermentation Bubbly Drink Shack, something like that. And you could get these fresh, non-alcoholic, like fresh milk kefir drinks there and these fresh kombucha, non-alcoholic, you know, uh, made out of black tea, flavored with different berries. And there'd be these uh, like pithy little spiritual sayings and these deep provocative questions on the labels. That'd be, it'd, be, it'd be great. So I promise, so that's just, I just wanted you to know that for like a sense of how much I enjoy this. And in some ways, it's, it's actually kind of a spiritual practice for me, I mean, to, to watch something be transformed. All of this is connected to the message today, I promise. So let me briefly explain kefir and kombucha so we can get to the heart of it here. Kombucha is this fermented tea drink. It's often made with black or green tea. And you make a big pot of tea, you add some sugar, you cool it all down, and then you add the tea to this really big container where you have what's called, if you're a brewer of kombucha, people often call it the mother. Uh, it's also the scoby. It's this symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. And if you haven't seen a SCOBY before, the symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, and I'm guessing many of you haven't, what you need to know is that in the Chinese language and in Korean and in Japanese, this mother, or the SCOBY as it's called, uh, the literal translation of the word is tea fungus <laughs> or tea mushroom. And there is a reason for this. The SCOBY is actually this 
disgusting looking, very alien looking, very funky looking thing. It's like a jellyfish kind of. It's a flat, slimy pancake. It smells like vinegar. It's weird looking. Like when, you, when you're drinking kombucha, for those of you who drink it, you don't think, oh wow, that thing generated the beverage I'm drinking, but it does. So you let the tea sit in the container with the scoby for a couple of weeks and it ferments. And after a while, the tea turns into this slightly effervescent, bubbly drink. It's good, it's sweet, it's tangy, it's loaded up with probiotics and lots of good bacteria. And then you take the tea out of that container and if you're really ambitious, you do a second fermentation, you add some frozen fruit or fresh fruit and then you get a, a flavor like mango or strawberry kombucha. That's the second fermentation. Sounds good, right? It is good. Kefir is pretty much the same deal. Just a quick romp through the land of kefir. Kefir is the same deal, except it's made with these little scobies. Remember, symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast called grains. They're not really grains. That's just what they call them. They look like little pieces of cauliflower or maybe smaller funky pieces of popcorn or busted up packing peanuts. And that's what ferments your milk into this bubbly, tangy beverage called kefir. It's actually called uh, many people refer to kefir as the champagne of milk. <laughs> it's non-alcoholic, but it's really good. And if, you, if you're making it and it's a lot cheaper than buying it, it gets a little bit addictive, this champagne of milk. Who came here expecting this sermon this morning? <laughs> Who walked in here thinking, all right, Scobie's kefir and kombucha, here we go. So I love talking about Scobie's. Symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, and fermentation as metaphors, as symbols, as ways that we can imagine what it is that happens in a faith community and what is in fact happening in our faith community right now. In the fermentation process, the SCOBY, symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, you got it, all right. That's the catalyst, that's the driver, that's the engine of what makes the whole thing happen. And I kind of like to think about the SCOBY as spirit, right? as that essence that transforms us, that transforms something. You might even think of it as God, if that's language that works for you. And you'll remember that I said that the SCOBY is sort of this slimy, funky, alien-looking thing. And if that's how you feel when I use the word God or when you start to entertain that idea of God, it might feel like this alien concept to you. I know that's true for some of you. Like, really, who could believe in a supernatural dude with a beard watching over all of us? Well, I'm not down with that either, so just put that image aside. And if that's where you're hung up, replace that image with this slimy, flat <laughs> pancake. <laughs> if that works for you. And imagine this slimy, flat pancake as this generative, creative, mysterious, transforming force that allows transformation to happen. Without the scoby, without those kefir grains, without those grains in milk, milk will go bad in hours on the counter. But with the scoby, milk turns into kefir and can stay fresh and good for days on the counter. Without the scoby, the kombucha mother, the black tea is just black tea. And if you leave sweet black tea out for too long, you get this, well, you know what you get on the top of your tea. This little mold that's gross. It's the scoby that turns regular old milk 
into the champagne of milk. It's the SCOBY that turns regular old black tea into bubbly, tangy, delightful, probiotic goodness. Transformation is weird. The way the Spirit can work on us is surprising and unsettling and mysterious, kind of like fermentation. You can't rush fermentation. And if you're in a, you know, looking for a quick fix for what ails you spiritually, and you're just coming in here hoping that happens like that, you might be in the wrong place. But if you stay in the mix long enough, fermentation and transformation will happen. And that's how I think about what can happen in this religious community. A religious community that has a set of practices, has a set of ways we want to be in the world, and with that intention and with the assistance of something larger than ourselves, call it spirit or the community, we can take a plain old human life and ferment it into a new life. A new life with a different sense of meaning and purpose, with a new sense of peace, with a new sense of alignment. An authentic religious community, a dynamic, authentic religious community in relationship with the sacred mystery of life can hold all of who we are, all of who we bring, and can help us make sense of our life and transform it. This is the organic, life-giving, life-sustaining, fermenting power of a faith community. We bring our intentions, our hopes, our promises to this place, and it works on us, and something new emerges. Perhaps when we come into this religious community, we feel like regular old 2% milk. <laughs> or just plain black tea. And then something begins to slowly work on us, and before we know it, We've become the champagne of milk. Let me tell you a story. The other night, there were congregants and I, church members and I, who were making phone calls to members of this church, talking about the goals we have for this upcoming church year, one of which is to make sure that every adult staff member is paid a living wage of $15 an hour. That's not currently the case. I was talking to this person about deepening his financial commitment to the church and his investment in the church to help make that living wage a reality. And he said, yes, of course, I'm in, I'm in. And then he went on to give me an earful of really good stuff. He told me the church has become fundamental, foundational in my life. It's changed everything. I'm finding my path and my people. And then he paused and he said to me, you know, the church should come with a warning label. <laughs> a warning label that says engaging in this faith will disrupt your life in a good way, in a good way. And that is fermentation and transformation right there, turning an old life into a new one. Nothing is fixed forever. As James Baldwin says, we change and we hold one another in that change. 
So here's what I see right now as a faith community. We are in a season of deep and profound fermentation and change in every area of church life. Another example to lift up, there's a group in this church, many of you are involved in it, called the Daytime Connections Group. This is a group of church members in the second half of their life, and it's led by this very dynamic advisory team. The goal of this group of Daytime Connections is to create spaces where those who are retired or those who are approaching retirement can gather in a faith community to talk about what it means to consciously age, what it means to live holistically in the second half of life, what it means to become wise, what it means to be a blessing to the world. This program has grown by leaps and bounds in the past year, and it has helped turn plain old milk and plain old black tea areas of the church into bubbly, transformed places where members hold one another in that sacred journey of consciously aging, of holding and facing one's mortality, and then living with meaning and purpose. This advisory team has a vision, and I love this vision. The vision is that this church will be known in the community as a place to do the sacred work of consciously aging. Not just living as you've always lived, but recognizing there is an end, so how will the final chapters of your life really be grounded in wisdom and deep meaning? There is fermentation and transformation in this church right now. It's happening in these Mede Makaska conversations, these conversations between Euro-Americans and Native Americans. Something powerful is fermenting there. We are dreaming of a community, this community, Minneapolis, that's in a new relationship with that body of water that we currently call Lake Calhoun, that's in a new relationship with water itself and with the land we share and live on. I hope you will join us at this next conversation on Tuesday, February 9th. Join the fermentation. So when I think about this faith community, I do. I think about fermentation and I think about the SCOBY. And the SCOBY is this mysterious thing, this deeper life that wants to be lived in us, around us, and it works on us individually and collectively. It's disruptive too. Hear this. It's disruptive. Church life is disruptive. We may not always want to be transformed. We might resist it. We might kind of like being whole milk or 2% milk, whatever it might be, and this force is calling something out of us that we don't know if we want it to emerge. But if we can submit to that fermentation process, we will be transformed into something new. So as we gather here, in the fermentation, holding all of who we are, seeing the steps we've taken to get here, I would suggest to you that in that mix, we begin to make sense of our lives and what they might really mean. We begin to hear where love is calling us next. We begin to see the road we're walking together consciously, hand in hand, as we hold on to one another. Again, I turn to these words from James Baldwin. Nothing is fixed forever. The earth is always shifting. The light is always changing. The sea rises. The light fails. Lovers cling to each other and children cling to us. In this religious community, in this 
fermentation we're in, in these times when so much is changing and they demand that we change to meet the needs of the times, we are fiercely holding on to one another and to those around us because we know, as Baldwin says, that the moment we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with one another, well, that is the moment when the sea engulfs us and the light goes out. So in this faith community then, bound together in the messiness of fermentation and transformation, may we keep that universalist light of love and hope burning brightly. May we have faith that even if our lives feel like plain old milk or simple black tea, that there is a source alive in the world, a spiritual SCOBY, if you will, just waiting to transform us into something wholly new. May it be so, and amen.